Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. G'day everybody, welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast for another episode. A very special podcast episode because uh, for those not listening in the traditional sense as a podcast, we are in the brand new ESPN studios here in Melbourne and it's great to be in here. We're giving things a bit of a test run. Uh, it's all looking pretty schmick, which is really nice. My name's Matt Walsh, I'm joined by Jasper Chalaba, who's our draft expert. Jasper, under the bright lights, nice to have you in here. It's awesome to be here, I feel like I'm in the war room with David King. <laughs> I'm talking very, about brand. <laughs> it's very good. We've all got our laptops as well. Jake Michaels, uh, things are looking pretty pretty nice down here. Well, it's a significant step up from where we did our first episode, what, six yeah. years? Five, six years ago? Five now? and a bit years ago, yeah. We were talking uh, about this before before we came on air, and, and the first one we did was just in the makeshift uh, cinema in the ESPN, or in the Disney studios. Putting dining tables together. Correct, Clipping yep. up the The, the microphones using really old school sort of tech, so um, yeah, things have come a long way, and things have come a long way... Uh, in this studio, I remember being in it uh, about two or three months ago, and it was a bit of a concrete shell. And uh, and now look at it, uh, it's absolutely beautiful. So if you are listening uh, as a podcast, highly recommend you check out the socials. Uh, it'll be on YouTube, uh, the Footy Tips Twitter. We'll have it up there, and, and you can sort of see the surroundings, and hopefully we'll be using this a little bit more. Oh, I is... think we will. Stay yeah, tuned. Yeah, absolutely stay tuned. But that's not what we're here for. We are, as you can see in the background here, for a bit of a draft special. We're going to talk all things draft. And Monday's the big day, Jasper, and it's creeping up really quickly. It's the first of two big days. Uh, firstly, I guess, how are you feeling? Because it's all sort of coming to a head after a, a year of, of massive work for the website at espn.com.au forward slash AFL. Yeah, this is like Christmas for us, draft <laughs> watchers. Um, it's, yeah, Monday, November 20th. That'll be the first, 20th, my uh, first round. Uh, Do you prefer this to, say, the grand final? I, I love, yeah, I love draft night. Yeah, yeah so they were, yeah, with, the yeah. Yeah, with the knowledge that Eston will never be in that grand final, yeah, I think <laughs> this is this is my Christmas. Uh, so it's going to be a bit of an elongated first round, though, we feel. So the way that the AFL has structured things, there's going to be free agency compensation. Obviously, there have been AFL assistance picks handed out. There's going to be some trading of picks potentially, and there are going to be you know, draft mat- uh, bids matched. So basically, we could have a night that actually drags out a little bit longer than what we would traditionally see as like 18 picks. Exactly right. I think we might see 28 picks on that first night in the first round. That's because we've had you know guys like Tom Dodie leave and you know, get compensation for that in end of first round. But you've also got four Suns Academy players who I think mm-hmm. will have bids matched. Um, a dog's father's son and a hawk's father's son as well. So it really extends out. It's going to be a long night. It might even be longer than uh, the second night. I think they'll be about the same. Right, so that'll be the first round on the first night and then the or second round onwards on the second night and yep. the first round could be longer. I, I think so. There's, there's a decent chance we might see 56 or less picks. Interesting. Well, before we crack into some draft discussion and, and maybe a bit of a live phantom draft as well, Jake, there is some news floating around. So the fixture has been released uh, midway through November, maybe a little late for my liking. I don't know about you, but I like to sort of you plan like to your out travel year. plans. Yeah, you're, you're, you put your leave in like 18 months in advance. <laughs> That's all right, isn't it? It's got to make sure. <laughs> Can't I can... even book flights that far. <laughs> uh, yes, but so the big news, I guess, coming out of the fixture release is that there's, it's not just round one. We're going to have an opening round, which is a pre-round one, which would be which round, is one, round one, and I, then round one would be round two. Can you try and make some sense of this for me? I can't. I, I have been trying to make sense of it since it was announced. It doesn't make any sense, and I don't get why it's an opening round into round one. That, by definition, is round one. Yes. Whether you want to have one game four or the full nine, that's the first round. So it, it's a bit strange which, which, uh, the way in which they've done it. Um, and I don't really like it, to be honest. It, it doesn't. I can't find any particular reason as to why they've done it. I, a lot of people are saying, you know, um, with the NRL taking their yes. product to Las Vegas in the uh, at the same time, but it's not the same weekend. Yeah, it's a different. So weekend. It, it doesn't match up with that. So you're not you're not tapping into that market. 
to only have the four games when you know the interest should be as high as ever. The games are fine. I have no issue with the games, and some of them will be. I'm really eager to watch, but I don't mm. understand why it's not just a traditional nine-game round. I feel like you, it, this happens a lot where you know Trying to whether you want much. to call it new management or whatever you want to say. They've come in and it's like, we've got to change something when, when, when I don't think they really needed to. But the interesting thing to me is you look at some of the teams that are playing in the opening round. So, for instance, Carlton, obviously, back-to-back games at the Gabba, which might so, be rare So, the them. Blues will play two games at the Gabba against the Lions. In a row. And that won't, neither of them will have been in a season. Like, yes. like in a home-and-away season. That's a very ESPN stat for you. <laughs> uh, but, but also, then they'll have a buy-in in week three. So, in round three. So, yeah, it's we, kind of this weird situation where they're, they're going to be... Chucking these extra, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. What does make a lot of sense, I think, though, after a lot of public pressure, I feel, uh, is bringing forward the Friday night start time. So instead of the traditional 7.50, which was always, I think, the case because they always wanted to get better homes and gardens on Channel 7 and all that kind of stuff, I think they've finally relented and they've brought it forward by 10 minutes. Now, 7.40 starts. (laughs) Now, 10... So you've been big on this for quite a few years yeah. now that you reckon I'm, a, I'm an early night early. kind of guy. Yeah, so 7.40, is that 10 minutes enough? Does that make enough of a difference or should it have been 7.20 or 7.30? What's the ideal time? The other thing is, and I, we've said this before, and this is something we had with Christian um, early last year um, when we were talking about some of the weird quirky stats, uh, five, six rounds in the year. Yes. We'd already had about 25 different, different start, start times. So I don't understand why... All night games don't start at 7.30 or 7.20 or 7.40, whatever they want it to be. I think you can kind of stagger them on on different nights. And there there might be reasons to do that. I think Thursday's being a little bit earlier again. So they've been um, now shunted to 7.30. So some of them were 7.20, some of them were 7.25 I don't Thursdays, mind, I, I don't mind that. I think that... Why not just make it 7.30, a blanket rule? Night games. Oh, well, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Unless, unless, saying, except maybe Saturday when they have two on at the same time. And you could say start one at you know 7.30 or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And then there might be one out west and you can start it a little bit later. And, and therefore you can... Yeah. Chop and change between them if you want to watch them on TV. But so, what does a Friday night game traditionally finish at? Around ten forty. Yeah, 10, pretty late. Yeah, by the time you're out of the st- if you're out of the stadium, and then you got to watch Rain Brian. Well, if you're at home, yeah, yeah um, you get the pleasure. You're, you're thinking from a journalist perspective. What time do you get out of there? <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't think ten minutes is going to make a huge amount of difference. But it's, I mean. At the end of the day, you're going to get into bed 10 minutes earlier. Mm. So, Well, I got my wish with the Friday night start times. You got your wish with more Thursdays. Mm. Uh, so as it stands at the moment, uh, most of the rounds have been scheduled in. So the final nine weeks of the season haven't been scheduled yeah, in. You say most, but it's, it Just should be half. more. It should be <laughs> yeah. more. I, th- I, yeah. feel like, I feel like we're at a stage where it doesn't. we don't need to have a floating fixture. We don't need to have those games up in the air. We saw... Last year, they kept pushing back the, the, the release of the last couple of rounds and until it, the last possible moment. Yeah. And it was a bit of a flop. Yeah, and we ended up having a Friday night game that had absolutely no impact, I guess, on the final standings of the ladder or the, or yep. the final um, finishing positions. So it kind of just goes to show you can kind of luck into these things, mm. but you can also luck out of them. Uh, and there'll be fans out there who, who are disappointed they won't be able to book in their travel as mm. early as they might like as well. So I don't really see the logic of it. Um, but Thursday nights are Thursday every night, week except the bye weeks. Yeah, and that is that is as big a tick as you can give the AFL. Yep. I think that's great. I think that was... Happy to bash them, but give them a tick when they Well, of course. And I, th- I think it was quite clear... <laughs> by the public, by, I think, players like it. I think fans like it. I don't know anybody that doesn't like games on uh, Thursday evening. And to have more of them, yeah, they should be, they should be on every round. And it's fair enough they don't have them the bye weeks because we're, we're down to, we might be down to six games. Sure. Um, and you don't want to um, 
prolong the round too much where you've only got one game on a Sunday or something like that. Mm. So I'm all for for skipping it on the, the, the bye weeks, the full bye weeks now, because we're going to have, as you said, Carlton in a bye in round three. We're going to have buys all the time now. Um, but yeah, Thursday night games should be should be every week. Mm. About 110 or so days until the first game of the season, so it will creep up very quickly. You got as well. I, I've got a what caught my eye. You, you got a what caught my eye? Oh, we can do this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. I, so. I haven't got anything. Firstly, <laughs> I don't actually um, to think about that. Anzac Eve and Anzac Day are going to open up the round round seven now, which right. is I think that's nice. That's yep. a Wednesday and a Thursday. Also, um, it's, it's something you noticed uh, if you were uh, uh, listening oh, to this. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. uh, Channel nine. nine. Sorry, nine. <laughs> Um, and then also, I think Gold Coast got the best fixture. Yeah. And that might be the dimmer effect. They play North Melbourne twice, they play West Coast twice. That's probably four wins. I think they're set up really well to make a, a finals charge. 100%. Um, they, this is their year. This really is. This could be the makings of a big landmark sort of year for, for the Suns. Really should be making finals for the first time in, in the club history. We we're going to get into it, as you said, off the top. You know, they could have secured four players in the first round yeah. uh, of the draft. Um, new coach and and I think something we mentioned last year as well. It's lining up. All, all their all everything's aligning, but they're but they're young. All their good players are young. They don't yeah. have any good. They don't have any. Of their, they don't have a top ten player on their team that's over twenty seven really. Yeah. So, so who would be the oldest? I mean, two. Miller. Miller. I think yeah. he's twenty six or twenty seven. So it, they're 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 heading in the right direction. There's a lot of things that are aligning for the Suns. Yeah, that um that opening round. I was going to say round one, but that opening it round. It is round one. We, we should just call it round one. <laughs> Start, I refuse start, to call yeah, it. We could start round. something. Yeah. Uh, but but that, that fixture, and, and you've got a piece out on the website, so espn.com.au forward slash AFL, about the uh, five must-watch fixtures of the first five rounds. Yeah. And that is obviously one of them. It is. I mean, it's going to be massive. Uh, you've got one club, I think, that everyone thinks is trending in the right direction, and mm. the other one probably going in the in the wrong direction. There's a rumour about Dustin Martin. Does he end up going there following Dim Hardwick? So. Maybe he enjoys the surrounds of, uh, what is it called now, Heritage Bank Stadium so much. Yeah. Get him up there. Um, and then, of course, we've obviously got the uh, grand final replay, Collingwood-Brisbane. I think that's round three mm-hmm. from memory. Um, as you said before, Carlton go back up and play Brisbane in that prelim final rematch at the Gabba. So there's there are so a lot of great games to look forward to early on. Absolutely. But we're here to talk about Monday. Monday is the big day, and there's heaps to play out. So obviously there's a bit... There are many moving parts still, Jasper, to all this. So obviously, West Coast have picked one, and they're probably not going to be trading it, despite you know sort of rumours up until recently where um, Harley Reid could have been on on, on the uh, on the trading table. However, North have the next two. There's some big names there. It's going to be the Suns' biggest draft since well ever, ever as we kind of said before, because certainly you well, are, yeah. At, at the end of the day, there are these academy players, and this is, might have been why the, the Suns kept sort of pushing picks back into the pre into the next year and into the next year. And you kind of think, oh, why are they they mm. trading players and getting picks in, you know, and salary dumping all that kind of stuff? You can kind of see the logic now, oh, right? Yeah. Because as as you said, there could be four players selected in the first round alone, and these are players that are well. Jed Walters is probably the the most highly touted key position player on the board. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Ethan Reid, a, a, a tall ruck kind of guy as well. We have got Jake Rogers uh, and Will Gray, these sort of midfield picks. So these they could have all four picks done and dusted by the first evening of the draft and have added like added to their list significantly all in about an hour's worth of, and all four of, of those guys of would be expected to be playing for the for them next year yeah well they're all really physically developed and i think what you see from the academy boys Caden cleary down at the swans as well yes. is they they're more professional and they're more physically developed than other kids around the country so interesting. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about depth a lot and how you, the comparison between, you know, super drafts and all that kind of stuff. But where does this draft sort of land? Because we are talking about these, you know, quote unquote, big names. And, and I think the way that 
footy media goes and, and the more that people consume, the more people know these names earlier. But how does it compare to previous drafts? Because we have this sort of indication that I'm getting, uh, having done a lot of reading, a lot of listening and, and, and chatting to you, is that there are probably these sort of like top six to eight draft prospects and then another smaller group that goes beyond that to sort of maybe 10 to 12 and then it starts to fall away a bit. Where, where are we kind of seeing the real top-end talent here? There's a consensus in a top eight, I reckon. Yep. Um, and then if you want to include Suns Academy boys, I have three in my top 12 and I think the top 12 is fantastic. Crazy. So I think we're going to get a really good top 10 yep. um, this year and that's you know, kind of the pinnacle of, of previous drafts when you look back and you say that was a super draft. So um, just... Sorry, so just going back to West Coast, we pick one, and obviously they still hold it. What's the likelihood? Because they still get worth noting, they still can yes, trade yes. it. As soon as things open up on draft night, they, they can potentially they, trade they it. Can, yeah. They can make a trade. What do you reckon is the likelihood of that happening? What, <laughs> yeah. what do you give it a percentage wise that happens? Live trades have been around for about three years now, and we haven't seen in the last two years much. Last year, Hawthorne traded up with the Swans to grab Josh Weddle. Great result for them. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, Pick one, I'd give it a 5% chance of being moved. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they probably have by now told Harley Reid that yeah. Um, yeah. they're going to be taking him, and yeah. I'm pretty sure he's really happy to go over West. So it was pretty clear they weren't going to give up this North, this is. Yes. Pick two and pick three for the pick one. That's that's the that's probably the deal that West Coast is holding out for. It's not going and to happen. And it's not going to happen. Yeah. And yep. give, so the reason I bring this up is because, like you said just before, that it seems to be that top eight to 12, uh, and then it does fall away exactly. a little bit. So their next pick was uh, pick 15 north. So 2 and 15 was never really going to get it over the line. If they were going to trade down, they would have had to be guaranteed to get Daniel Curtin as well as one yes. of those top you mm. know, two So WA prospect, prospect and Curtin. Exactly. So I think that's really interesting because, you know, 2 and 3, I think north has a great hand. And, and, and oh, more often than do. not, and we've sort of done a little bit of like light research about this, but you just sort of go back through the years and look at, you know, number 2 and number 3, and you pick any number in the top 10. And... In, in terms of actual output over many, many years, you can throw a blanket over these guys. It's not like the number one pick is guaranteed to be giving you a certain output over, over the years. There would, be, to a... there would be very few number one picks that alone have done more than what two and three combined have done achieved in their career. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but Reed, I guess, is this prospect that... I look at him, and I can't believe this kid is 18. Yeah. And, and you kind of look at the, the, the body and the shape that he has and you think this is a you know, 25-year-old who's had many pre-seasons and this kind of stuff. But yep. in terms of a, of a prospect and a football player, um, how good is he? Yeah, he's, he's special. He's the best underage player I've watched um, through really? my time. And uh, that includes his bottom age campaign, which was incredible. He would have been a top uh, pick one candidate last year. If, he was, if that was his top age campaign. Uh, for me, yeah, Dustin Martin's the best comp and he's just got these explosive attributes, professionalism and maturity at his age already. He's done a lot of media, he's done a lot of chatting to recruiting teams and he, he knows that he's, he's the best player in this you know, pool and he acts like it. Do you expect him to be further advanced than what Nick Dacos was by the end of his first season? No, no, Dacos is... I mean, <laughs> his first two years have been unheard of in, in the AFL. Um, so you Different can't, kind of players. You can't, you can't expect that of him. And I ask that because I think by the end of year year two, Dacos, very different. I mean, he could have very easily won the Brownlow medal if he didn't get injured. But by the end of year one, he was probably on the cusp-ish of the sort of top 50 players in the league. Yeah. Do you think we could be saying that about Harley Reid by the end of 2024? Yeah, good point. Like, I reckon you know, he's going to a different club. His yeah. club's not going to be as good, which will make it much more difficult for him. But if he was going to a, a Geelong or a, a Collingwood, um, he, he could be in the All-Australian squad. But we're expecting Reid to be in the centre bounce for a lot of this, oh, this first season, so, compared yeah. to someone like Dave. So he's going to get the opportunity, yeah. Yeah, yeah he'll, he'll have the chances, right? Yeah, yeah he's, he's best 22 right away, obviously, and I think he'll be one of West Coast's best players from the is get-go. He a, is he, if, he's, if he's 
goes to West Coast as we're expecting. And this is not a shot at the Eagles right now because they are clearly struggling, as, they, as we all know. But is he already in their top five players before he's played a game? <laughs> yeah, if you, if you look at a guy like Jeremy McGovern in that top five, despite the injuries, yeah. like, I think he's right up there with, with their very best. Um, and maybe he's a best and fairest chance next year. We saw it with Harry Sheasel with North Melbourne. Yeah. Came close, Well, we're yeah. seeing it with Victor Wembanyama in the NBA. I oh, mean, it just, just goes in and it's that immediate impact. It, um, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost hard, hard to believe, and you wouldn't think this sort of 15, 20 years ago, that first-year players can come in and win a best and fairest. But mm. these days, it can happen. Yeah. Harry Sheasel did it, has. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's certainly interesting, and, and these guys are just as, as professional as they've ever been. Mm. Uh, and it's, uh, it's they a are, and they come in far more advanced, and we've spoken about this numerous times yeah. over the years on, on the podcast. The players today, even going back five, six years ago, they just, they just come in so much more ready now mm. than they ever did. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit before, but trading picks on the night, so live trading. There's a little bit of a whisper that there might be a bit of this happening in this, in this draft, especially maybe on the first night where clubs realise that, that players might either slide past where they think they might go and they think they can, they can get up a bit. And, and as you kind of say, the depth around this sort of 8 to 10 to 12 mark there might be some scrambling by clubs to try and get into that spot. Yep. Uh, you know, especially clubs, you know, you, you look at the, the, the draft order and there are clubs like uh, Geelong, GWS, Essendon, Adelaide, Melbourne that are kind of in that sort of mid-first round yep. range that might be looking to do it. Do you see any of these clubs trying to make a play f- to move up the board? Yeah, well, this com- it comes into play when you're talking about how even the draft is after that top eight, top ten. Yes. And that's why clubs think there could be sliders and there could be bolters on draft night and that's why there might be a lot of, lot of picks traded. Um, there's two from AFL Media kind of reported already, which is Brisbane's going to trade up for Gold Coast pick 24. Mm. Um, so they'll get into the first round, and then Fremantle will trade up for pick 38 from the Gold Coast as well, which is just them, the Suns, um, being able to match uh, bids with more points. Yeah. Now, um, So they're, they're already going to be moving up uh, before Harley Reid is taken mm. um, with pick one. And then I think other ones kind of around that mark will be really interesting to see in terms of what North Melbourne wants to do. They want to trade up for... Sydney's uh, pick 12. Kinnear Beatson confirmed that yesterday. Mm. Um, so if they trade 17 and 18 for 12, maybe that's a more um, you know, a package for pick one that they could be considering their West Coast if they go pick two, 12 and 15. Yeah. In terms of a spectacle, I think it is something the AFL would want. And I think it's this, this trading on the night. I think that's what they probably imagined. There'd be a bit more of it when it was brought in. Um, because the, the draft itself can be a bit... Not stale, but you, you have such an idea of, with all the phantom drafts and the amount of work that go, in, go into it now, you kind of have a really good yeah. idea of who's going in each spot, certainly in the, in the first round before it happens. Mm. The um, last kind of surprise I can remember is probably Will Phillips pick, okay. getting, going pick three to North Melbourne. That was a huge surprise. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there's no shocks in mm. these drafts. Yeah, I guess you see enough tape and you talk to enough people and you go and have the family visits and all that, that you kind of know what you're getting into yep. well yeah. in advance anyway. So, um, yeah, well, I guess what we're going to do is go through a bit of a, um, a phantom draft live on the show, a bit of fun. Um, but we're going to do the first round, you know, after bids. So we'll, we'll get out to sort of 28, as you kind of said. But there are a few other teams in there that don't have picks until a lot later in the draft. And, and one of them is really interesting. So Port Adelaide, obviously, 69 is their first pick. And that's before all bids match and all that kind of stuff. So they're well out, out there. What do you kind of see Port trying to do in this draft yeah i think there are a couple of nice south south australian prospects around that mark yeah because south australia had a really poor carnival and they're you know the stocks have kind of slid will mccabe will probably be the only south australian taken in the first round and that's 28 picks yeah but um for them you know they've done their work at the trade period and they know that mm. they've you know sold the farm to to get these players like a um Radigalia yeah. and zach thatcher into the club 
now it's just about consolidating the the best team that they can get and trying to win a flag. Mm. Well, you're, you, I mean, we've talked about Port a lot on the podcast and and how they uh, underachieving is probably not the right word, but I guess they have in recent years. And and that the the pieces are kind of there. And you talked about before nailing one draft in particular, and Port managed to do that a few years ago. So they kind of have the pieces there and having a good trade period as they did. Yeah. Um. They, I guess they don't need to go after the young, fresh prospects. No, um, we've seen it with numerous teams that have been sort of at the top. Uh, they don't necessarily have... Well, you don't get the, the top-end picks like that. Mm. The problem with Port last year was the... And, and we forget how dominant they were in the midpoint yep. of the year. They were just about co-flag favourites with mm. Collingwood. Um, longest winning streak in the league. It was the defence. And we said it time and time again on the podcast. Christian would bring it up yep. um, ad nauseum. that the, the fact that they were just conceding too many points. That was the biggest issue, and they've they've addressed that, or at least they've attempted to address that with bringing in uh, Zerk Thatcher, Radagalia, and trying to shore up the back line. I don't think anyone's doubting what the midfield can do and yep. the forward line as well. So, will they be around? They're gonna, yeah. I think. What do you do? You you you're not you can't do much. So you're just going to take a flyer on someone, yep. I'd imagine. Yeah, and yep. a couple of solid Ruckman in there as well with Soldo and Sweet. Yeah. Um, so I guess from one end of the draft board to the other, we might as well start with round one and look at West Coast. They're, they're picking Harley Reid. Yeah. Um, so talk to us a bit more about Harley and what we can expect <laughs> no to kind of see from him, from him uh, especially early in the, in the next season. Well, recruiters didn't know if he was going to back it up because he was 18 months ago he was anointed this number one pick that yeah. you know, we haven't seen before. Um, but yeah, he went into the midfield, he played centre bounce for... Bendigo Pioneers at the AFL Academy. He copped a little concussion halfway through the year. He sat out three weeks. He was fine, but he sat out three weeks and then returned for the National Carnival. And then he played deep full forward and just dominated and kicked bags. Um, so he's he's this you know pinch hitting kind of forward who just is going to be an on baller. Yep. His centre clearance work is phenomenal. His defensive work needs a little bit of improvement because he just you know he he, always, he often gets the ball in those 50-50s. You don't you don't often see him need to chase. Yep. Um, but that's going to be the the side to his game that needs to improve to, to be an AFL player. You, you mentioned Dustin Martin as his best comp before. Just the, everything you describe, it, you, it, you may as well be describing Dustin Martin, uh, particularly in the early part of his career. He Something that I would like as a West Coast fan, um, given that they're likely to land him, is that he did he has committed to pl- like to playing there and staying there and and putting in the hard yards, um, which is which is a good sign given where the club's at and what mm. we've seen with with North Melbourne um, in recent years as well. Uh, like played three VFL games throughout the year. The stat line here: so average nineteen point three disposals. This is in VFL as a as a seventeen year old uh, and seven point seven contested possessions. So you just know exactly what you're going to get. And he played off halfback for those games. Uh, it's just unreal. Uh, so number two, North Melbourne. Yeah, this is going to be interesting because I know... Will they, will they bid early? Force Gold Coast hand. More points. They know that Jed Walter is the player that they would take if he was in the open draft. Yes. I think there are a couple factors here for why I don't have Jed yes. Walter being bid on I'm going to ask North. you this. Is it a bit of goodwill between clubs saying, well, we won't bid on him right away, you know, if so maybe if we have an opportunity to trade you know, or whatever bridges, down the road? Right? Yeah. Is yeah, that kind of part of it? Potentially. I think there's a bit of backscratching going on here. Right. Um, and Jed Walter is the second best player in the pool. They know that. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have them bidding on him for a couple of reasons. Firstly, he didn't play the second half of the year with a knee injury he picked up for the Allies in the National Carnival. Right. Clubs won't know what the, the you know, kind of situation is with that knee injury. It doesn't seem serious, but it's a bit of a meniscus. And maybe there's something there that would warn them off. And then secondly, they picked... Harry Sheasel and George Waldwell with picks two and three last year, mm-hmm. and they're going to go back to the draft, and they're likely going to pick Colby McKercher and Zane Dersma. Mm-hmm. And I like the they were like you know that symmetry of, of these you know, top two and top three picks 
coming into their club in back-to-back years and being the catalyst for driving themselves up the ladder. Yep, fair enough. So I guess Colby McKerch is kind of one of those guys who had a, an outstanding um, national championships as well. He was he was unreal. So he, he ended up being uh, second across the chance for disposals per game and third for clearances per game and, and just will be one of those players that can find the ball. I think Christian will be talking about him a lot next year because he's a ranking points star. He averaged 150 <laughs> ranking points and um, he just doesn't stop racking up the ball inside, outside, blend. Uh, I, there's a few comps to Zach Merritt. I like Errol Goulden. I think wow. the way he swoops for loose balls and, and charges with his pace, his endurance on the outside and is really damaging with his disposal. Yep. We saw a couple late in the season, he kept improving his game to the point where his physicality was up to the best and he was fending off and exploding at the front of packs. That kind of stuff that where he's, he's the most damaging midfielder on the ground, I think is why he's going to go with pick two. We've already seen Wardlaw and Sheasel, as you said, and that seems already like tick-tick. If even one of these guys is a tick, yep. and it looks like probably both are going to end up being that, they're, they're another club that is starting to be moving in towards that setup for success. If you sure. can get that, if you just nail your midfield and in, in two drafts. And you've got three late first round picks as well to, talent, to yep. target need at yep. the back end. So Zane Dersma, more of a forward half player to take with that pick three, which is the Ben Mackay compo? Yeah, he fell down my draft board halfway through the year because he was playing in the midfield and he didn't really look it. He, yep. He's not a midfielder. And we saw in the second half of the year when he went to um, the forward line again, he kicked... Uh, four goals against Vic Metro as a Vic country boy and tore that game to shreds and then he just kept kicking goals for the Gippsland power. And, and stayed playing in the forward Yeah, He's just a forward 50 player, yeah. He's 189 centimetres, so he's a good size. He's got a great leap on him um, and I, I think that he can play as kind of a third tall, but at ground level is where he, he's in his element. His, his speed and his um, explosiveness is just fantastic. Is he likely to be pushed into the midfield later in his career or, or if... He reminds me a lot of Connor Rosie, he came, who came into the... Yeah, okay. Yeah, so he exploded in his first two years as a forward. Mm. Maybe he elevates to that level and he goes midfield. through yep. the midfield because that's just where he gets 25 the second touches. most goals of any player in the talent league last year, so as in this season. So, I mean, you'd probably want him forward around the goals and, and then maybe as he builds a tank or if if needed, as required. I mean, you, you, we talk about the midfield starting to look pretty, pretty deep all yep. of a sudden, you know, in coming years. Maybe that is an option. Uh, so Hawthorne at, at pick four, are we going to have a bid here? Yeah, I think Jed Walter will get bid on at latest here. Right. Um, and, you know, Hawthorne would love to, to grab him, but the Suns have, you know, accumulated all these picks. They'll um, be matching Jed Walter's bid wherever it comes. And and in terms of comparing him to someone who who, who is in the league or has been in the league, um, the, the name that I keep hearing get thrown around is sort of a Charlie Kernow. Yeah. So not a massive kind of 200-centimetre forward, but that sort of mid-size hulking kind of... Good around the ground as well. Good at ground Fair level. Fair player. Yeah, yes. not a bad player. Decent comp. Uh, he's a 197 centimetre now. He's grown a couple centimetres really? okay. this year. Right. Um, and yeah, just the way he attacks the ball in the air is incredible. He has size. He has straight line speed as well. So on the lead, he's really dangerous. He can create separation really easily. Uh, which, which means that Hawthorne, I guess, gets bumped down to the next spot. Uh, where do you see them looking? This is going to be a really interesting pick right now. I'd say it's a 60-40 they're going to take Nick Watson. Dan Curtin is right in this range as well, the right. WA key defender. If we want to talk about him quickly, he's this really smooth-moving, um, composed key defensive interceptor who has also gone through the midfield. He's kicked goals up forward. He's just a footballer's footballer. He, he can you know, win, win the ball at the ground level, but his aerial prowess is why he'll be drafted in the top 10. Um, Clarko loves him. So that's going to be an interesting decision for North Melbourne as well. Yeah, that is interesting. And you talk about Hawthorne at this pick, but also they've brought in Jack Inivan. So there could be a bit of a competition for slots in that, that small forward kind of range. Exactly right, yeah. Um, so Nick Watson is 
the player I have going here, about a 60% chance, I think, right okay. now. Or they've, yeah, yeah, they've done a lot of work on Watson. So he trained with them. Um, they've seen him you know, kind of play throughout the year. He's kicked 70 goals across all competitions this year. He's played for four or five different teams, including school representative footy as well. Um, That's but wild, isn't it? He's 170, he's 170 centimetres, so... He's a really diminutive figure. Interesting. Bit of a Cody Waitman type yeah. where he attacks the ball. His aerial prowess is awesome for his size. And then he's, yeah, the pressure around ground level is going to be really good as well. Uh, speaking of Waitman, the dogs do have the next pick. So they'll be pushed down to number six. Where do you see them looking? They, they want to restock their midfield, I think. I don't know if that has anything to do with what they think Bailey Smith will be doing in his future. But with oh, McRae, I think with Smith, or, with Smith there or not, I mean, they, they do need that. Yeah. It's as clear as anything. There was too much, far too much reliance on Bontempelli and Libertoro yeah. last year. I mean, with, you know, Lib is 31 now. Uh, McRae's hitting 30 now. Even Bont's getting a little bit older as well. So I think Riley Sanders is the perfect fit here, the inside beast of this draft. He, um, he won the Lark medal as the best player at the mm. national championships. And, oh, Tasmanian? Yeah, yeah. So there's been two Tasmanian taker with Colby McCurch and Riley Sanders now, um, and he uh, just does not stop racking up the ball. Question for you. We'll get back to, I guess, Sanders in a second. But in terms of the Tasmanian prospects that you, you start to see now and the impending introduction of a Tasmanian team, would clubs be considering maybe the fact that there might be a go-home factor in, in coming... I, I tend to think we're a year or two away from that happening, but okay. it's going to happen. Yeah. It has to. Like, it, it's going to get to the point where we're two years out from, and you think, "Gee, do I want to take this kid who might want to go back?" Because I feel like if you if you've got a five year leeway, yeah. you're going to you're going to get roots here. You're going to set up back to culture as well, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, but it definitely will get to the point. I imagine. I don't know if you agree, but where it's where that definitely comes into play. There's talk about it this year because there are four top 20 candidates Could be a future here. captain yeah. of, of, a, yeah. of a potential Tasmanian team. And I think you know, what clubs know is they can guarantee that there'll be big money offers to go home, mm-hmm. but they've got it back in their culture. It's yeah. the same as drafting a WA kid or a Queensland kid. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so Sanders, as you mentioned, so number one disposal winner and equal number one score involvements at the under-18 champs. So just had an absolute blinder. Uh, and as you say, we'll just find the ball. He just does not stop finding the ball inside, outside. His outside game developed really well this year. And he went from, I think he started about pick fifth, uh, 15th ranked on my power rankings to start the year. And he's into the top six or seven just based off his ability to damage on the outside. Is he a bit like Jack McRae? Um, I, I love McRae's ball use. McRae's ball use is fantastic. Sanders doesn't have that. But he does have uh, the ability to just link play together with the chains. I think he's more of a Tim Taranto type. Right. Interesting. Uh, so the D's are next on the board. Obviously got that pick from Frio last year as yep. part of the Luke Jackson trade. Uh, do you see them taking a player? Is there going to be another bid match here? Because you talked about a lot of these Gold Coast Academy players yeah. being uh, match bids early. Yeah, I tentatively have a bid here for Ethan Reid, who I think has a lot of similarities to Luke Jackson. When you look at the D's list, they really need something past Max Gorn. Yeah, okay. um, they brought in Darcy Fort, but they really need something past Max Gorn into the future. And... I think Ethan Reid would be perfect for them. The Suns will be matching this. He's 202 centimetres. He's an absolute unicorn of this draft. He wow. ran a sub-six-minute, two-kilometre time trial, which was good for third in the entire draft pool. Um, and his ball use, his skills for his size, I think he'll start his career as a defender because he's a little bit, you know, he's a bit of a beanpole right now. He won't be a ruckman to start his career, but um, off half-back, he'd be perfect. And then, so I guess after that, you're looking at the Ds looking somewhere else. So potentially... This is where Dan Curtin gets taken? And this could end Dan Curtin's slide. He could be taken with pick two at North <laughs> Melbourne. So he has a range of... And I think the latest he'll be taken is here with Melbourne at pick eight, including two Suns <laughs> Academy bids. He's, um, 
he, he's been so highly touted for a long time. He won the uh, best uh, best on ground for the uh, grand final curtain raiser last year, um, where he kind of announced himself as a top five prospect. Right. And then this year he's had another growth spurt, 197-ish centimetres, and he can really find the footy as well. He uses it well. He rebounds. His transition game's awesome. He went into the midfield and looks like Bontempelli at times for WA, so there's a lot to like. Um yeah, so obviously he played Waffle League as well, so he played against the big boys. Exactly right, and he, he looked really at home. Um, there are times where he got out, out muscled. He's 18 years old, obviously, but um, I, I think that that did nothing but solidify his credentials as a top five prospect. Jake, D's going back to the well in West Australia. We're not scared off by the uh, Luke Jackson's uh, happenings and, and getting being traded after a couple of years. Well, it's funny you say that because you just said, uh, Jasper, that they, they, need to look, they look, need to look past Max Gorn. Well, they had that. They had that with Luke Jackson, yeah. and then they tried. They they went with the Brody Grundy experiment. So it'll be interesting to see what what um, what what happens, I guess, with the, with with them. And I guess the other area of concern throughout last year was the or this year was the forward line, and yeah. whether they needed to to sort of bolster the stocks there. Yeah. Mm. So um, yeah, I, I think the D's are still there enough, close enough around the mark to be a contender this year, though. This um this picks also the first live trade candidate, I think this pick for, for Melbourne and West Coast will come for it I think if they want Dan Curtin they'll offer their future first I think that's a live possibility on um, draft night on Considering Monday. I guess the, the range that you have him being at he could he's a, he's a top five prospect well I think they probably haven't rated in their top three or four yet with Colby McCurcher so yet. keep an eye on that so potentially and, and you know, Jake if you were Melbourne would you accept the Eagles future first which is likely a top two pick next year well I think you'd have to that's a great question you? I mean the D's are poised to go again regardless yeah. right uh, I think I think that's a that's a great call. I mm. think that's a no brainer. I think really, it's a win win yeah. for both yeah. teams, uh, and it's it's one you can kind of shake hands on. And, and I think there's no losers. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so the Giants have the next pick, which will be pick nine. Uh, that's tied to Richmond. So obviously got that in a trade last year as well. Where do you see the the Giants looking? Yeah, it's Giants gonna be interesting one. It's going to be really interesting because they've got their key defensive stocks are awesome, and you know, they they've obviously found Sam Taylor and um, they're. What, what they've done in previous drafts has gone to the well with, with key defenders and they've kind of brought in like a Lekalier and, and that, that type. So they don't need to go key defender here. I think this is where Conroe Sullivan will be highly sought after for a lot of teams. Hawthorne, North Melbourne, Adelaide in particular will be really interested in trading up with GLUS to secure this pick. As it stands, I have the Giants taking another Tasmanian, so three in the top ten. James Leake. This um, half-back, really athletic, incredible mark for his size. He's 187 centimetres, and then he went forward and kicked five goals for the Tassie Devils in a final um, to end the year as well. He has played himself into top 10 conversations, and I don't think anyone would be surprised to see him taking this high anymore. Really? Yeah. So the Giants are kind of in this, this strange position, and, and they have a number one pick waiting in the wings as well from last year who didn't see a lot of game time. So and there could be a lot of totally big talent. It coming into this team in a, in a hurry. Absolutely. It's it's incredible how quickly Adam Kingsley's turned this team around and um, the way we perceive the Giants where they were rebuilding mm. beforehand, yeah. but now they, they look like a real just, grand final. Just player. on Aaron Cadman, do you expect a bit of a, a leap from him next year? Yeah. He, I looked at his stats and he finished the VFL really strongly. Um, I think he was top six or seven in the VFL for goal kicking. He finished yeah. like he, he kind of finished up there, and he actually started kicking a lot of goals. So I think that we can expect him to be a best twenty-two candidate. Key position yeah. players do take a bit of time sometimes. Uh, Cats rare top ten pick for them. Where do you see them looking? Very rare top yeah. ten pick. They took Jai Clark last year. Obviously, they got the Gold Coast yes. pick, um, which was included in their thinking for the Academy boys. But uh, Nate Caddy, I think, really appeals, and a decade on from them. 
uh, bringing in his, uh, his cousin, uncle. Uncle? Yeah. Is, 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 is Josh, that right? Josh is his uncle. Um, so Nate is this, he's 193 centimetres, so he's a little bit shorter mm-hmm. um, than your, your usual key, to, key forward, sorry. Uh, for me, he's taller than Charlie Kerner was in his draft year. He's bigger mm-hmm. than Charlie Kerner was in his draft year, and he plays a lot like him with his speed, his attack on the ball in the air. He really clunks marks, and he can wheel around on his right foot and kick him from 55. So. Wow. There's a lot to like about Nate Caddy. I have him ranked a bit higher than this and a bit higher than consensus because I think he's the wild card of this draft. He could be anything and you could be doing redrafts in five years' time and have him going number one or two. I think earlier in the year you probably had him a bit higher as well. I think a lot of boards had him a bit higher. Yeah. Is he a bit of a slider this year? Yeah, I think he could be. He he could be passed on by Geelong here if a James Leake or Caleb Windsor come into their thinking as well. So I think there's a possibility that Essendon pick him up. I don't think any clubs are really trading up for Nate Caddy as right, well. right. Interesting. So why is that? Why has he slid so... Or why do you expect him to slide so far? Uh, he had an up-and-down campaign. He broke his leg on the eve of the season and he came back um, pretty pretty quickly from that. He had chicken pox, which ruled him out for three weeks. That was quite severe, I've been told. Um, so he had a bit of an inconsistent campaign, but he mm. still had games where he averaged... Oh, he kicked you know, five goals and had 25 disposals because he can go through the midfield and his, his ground-level stuff is really good as yep. well. It, it is interesting because you, you say you could look back in five years' time and he's a top two or three pick from this draft. At what point in the draft do you pick for safety and security, knowing what you're going to get? And at what point does that transition to yeah. let's take someone with the highest upside, with the, with the highest ceiling? And recruiters often talk about this. If you take the best available and the highest upside or you take need, at what point you mm. kind of do that? Mm. I think around 30-odd in this draft, you can definitely start taking need. Because a lot of you know Ruckman and key defenders, they're they're quite scarce in this draft, so you kind of yep. want to be able to grab them. That's why they sure. might go a bit higher. Um, but I, 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 I'm, I think that's fraught with danger. I think you should be taking best available at all times, and yep. then I don't think you're going to get you know the best player in this draft outside of the top eight, say it in this in this um, yep. draft. But I think there's still enough you know, depth around to be taking best available. There we go. So the Dons are on the board next. Uh, where do you see them looking? Because you mentioned a name before, Connor O'Sullivan, which is who you have in your most recent Phantom draft. Is that is he likely to still be on the board at this point? It's going to be interesting, and it might depend on a club trading up for him because he is highly sought after. If he gets to Essendon, I don't think I don't think they'll trade back. I think they'll take him. He'll be in their mix for you know the top eight or nine prospects that they really like yeah, right. in this draft, and he's perfect because he's mature, kind of ninety-two kilos already, key defender. 198 centimetres. He's a great size. He uses the ball beautifully. Um, Allies coach Mark McVeigh gave him the Allies MVP after their undefeated national championships, and he absolutely raves about him. He thinks he's going to be an absolute star. Mature age. I'm yeah. um, sorry, mature head um, from the Aubrey area. So he's travelled a lot through his footy, and he looks like a really likely type. Talk about this sort of range of, of the Dons at 11, Crows at 12. Could the Dons potentially also slide back in this draft? I know that there are prospects that they could almost split it for, for a couple of picks or a pick in the teens and a, big, a pick further back. Is that also a possibility? Yeah, they've been, they've been linked to West Australian Riley Hardiman, who's a half-back. If they were going to slide back, I think they'd want to pick him up as well as someone else. Maybe a Zach Reed's brother, Archer Reed, is in this draft, uh, another tool that they could consider. Yep. Um, for, for mine, if O'Sullivan's available, they won't trade. If they're, if they're making a choice out of a Darcy Wilson and a Caleb Windsor, maybe they do trade back in an Adelaide or a North Melbourne trade up to, to grab one of them. There you it's go. an interesting point, though. So, again, going back to what you said earlier, <clears throat> pardon me, once you get to pick sort of 12, there is that fall off or around about that mark, right? If you're pick 13, 14, 15, is it worth moving on from that pick? looking either at, at getting 
further picks down in the 20s, 30s, or whatever, or then or throwing ahead to, to next year's draft. Is there, yeah, is there a kind of a dead spot? Not, not a dead spot, but is there a kind of a spot where you the, go... You're not getting the value yeah, that you would in another yeah. draft. I think this, this kind of point of the draft is where if you don't have the player slide to you that you want, you can definitely be looking to trade out because yeah. that's where the gap is. Yeah. Including those Suns prospects, this is where... Um, the point in the draft is where some clubs will hate it, other clubs will love it yeah. because there's a slide. And this is where we might see a bit more of that trading going Interesting. on. Exactly right. So the Crows are on the board next at 12. Where do you see them heading? If, if they have Darcy Wilson and Caleb Windsor available to them, I think both suit them really well as running wing- wingmen, really skillful, fast, um, and you know can accumulate the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly what the Crows have needed for a long time. And... Uh, for me, I think Darcy Wilson pips Windsor here if they had to choose. I think that's the way they would go. Um, he's he's kicked goals as a forward as well. He's 186 centimetres, so he's a pretty good size. Are they both South Australian products, did you say? Uh, neither are. Both Victorians. So, yeah, Vic Metro, Caleb Windsor, and then uh, Vic yep. Country is Darcy Wilson. They've gone with Josh Rochelle yep. um, with the Murray Bush Rangers beforehand, and that's where Wilson's from. Yeah. Uh, so the Ds are on the board next again. So I guess if... If Adelaide doesn't take one of those boys, they'll probably look at, at the other. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think so. I think Caleb Windsor, if they they will consider him at eight because they love his really? speed on the outside of contest, his ball use going inside fifty. I think that's what the D's really lacked in finals last year, um, and also goal kicking. But for <laughs> for mine, they're heavily linked to Colton Tholstrup, who I have going uh, a pick after them. If both are on the board, I think Windsor will be taken, but it might be a bit unlikely that Windsor is still around this mark. I think I have him sliding a little bit here. Um, so if Windsor isn't available, I think they'll take this uh, <laughs> enigmatic, really fun to watch WA forward Colton Tholstrup. There you go. So the Swans, you, s- you say that, that Falstrup's on that, that list there. They also have an academy product of their own, so Caden Cleary. He's probably not in that conversation at that point to be matching bids. Yeah, they'll be confident that they've got ahead of a Cleary bid here. Yep. Yeah, excellent. So tell us more a little bit about Falstrup. You, we've, we've see, I've seen his name a little bit uh, around, but can you just uh, let the listeners and the, and the viewers uh, know a little bit more about what we can expect from him at, well, at the Swans if the Swans pick him up? Yeah, well, I have the Swans take him because I think they've had, you know, they love character. Yep. He's a really high-character, mature leader. Um, he's played all waffle footy this year with bigger wow. bodies. He's done tagging jobs as a forward. He's kicked goals. He's averaging a goal a game. He's he's done a lot um, to really elevate his standing in this pool this year. Uh, and then he went into the draft combine and was dominant. He he won the agility test. He looked really good in the 30-meter sprint, 20-meter um, sprint. And then he also did really well in the 2K as well, which shows a lot of maturity, I think, in professionalism in the way he goes about it. He's from Esperance in WA. So he's a wow. country boy um, at heart. And he... he He's got some cult hero traits. I don't want to don't want to say it too often, but yeah. Swans have had success with uh, WA boys in particular as well. So maybe there's a, a thinking that they could also do that there. Um, well, it's already been a, a very strong off season for the Swans. Yes, been great. Um, great trade period. Uh, being able to get you know pick twelve and, and, and or which might end up being around pick fourteen. Yeah. You say so. Yeah, it, that would be a big win. But to bring in someone like Taylor Adams, who's a little bit out of favour at Collingwood. Bring him in and Brody Grundy as well. I think it just bolsters that midfield um, and a team that was already uh, already on the rise the last couple of years. I think um, the Swans are also a candidate to be bidding here as well. Will McCabe is an option um, for them as well as Jordan Croft. These are two Hawks and Dogs, father-sons respectively. Uh, last year we saw them take you know, a bid on Max Michelani. They bid yeah. on Harry Ralston just to buy some time to trade that pick. Uh, after that pick, so the Swans at 14, as we say, after some bits and pieces move around, is it's the Saints at 15. Uh, so there's a few options here, I guess, but there's probably going to look kind of, I guess, nearby and, and look to someone called 
to Harry DiMattia, who's a Danny Long Sing Race player. So probably not too much of a move for him. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, clubs have raved about DiMattia's footy knowledge. His IQ on the field is great. His IQ off the field is, uh, is, is incredible. I chat chat to him in the National um, Combine and he looked superb. Um, I thought at, at the Combine he's a, he's a speed demon um, on the edge of packs and he's played uh, forward, he's kicked goals, he's played as a lockdown defender on Nick Watson in the championships. Mm. He's also played on ball as an inside midfielder. So there's a lot to like about DeMattia and he could go a little bit higher than this, I think. Really? So he would have been, I don't think he was too high on too many people's draft boards earlier in the season, but he's come with a bit of a bullet. Yeah, exactly right. He had a really strong um, season, and it's only this season that he's chosen to go away from cricket. Um, he was running bats out to Marnus Labuschagne at the Boxing Day Test. <laughs> is that right? Last year, yeah, yeah. Um, Fair enough. And this is the full, yeah, full footy kind of diligence that yep. he's, um, that has him working his way up. Interesting. So the Crows are next on the board um, via Gold Coast in that Chris Burgess trade. Uh, who I think the, the Suns got that from Melbourne. So that, that pick's going to be yeah, around the traps a little bit. Uh, but at sixteen, it is the Crows. Yeah, this is, I think, if Will McCabe hasn't been bid on yet, I think he'll be bid on at this point. He's going to be a Hawks um, player. He's a father-son, and he's a, like, a really athletic key defender who's been playing in South Australia, so right under the nose of the Crows, who obviously need some key defensive depth. That's why they're going to try and trade up for Conor Sullivan, I think. Um, and I think he, the Hawks will match a bid pretty quickly on draft night. So there are a few father-sons, I guess, uh, that we might see a little bit further down. Not as many as we've seen in previous years, nor as highly touted, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but he is the first in this, in this group. Yeah. Uh, what, can, what can Hawks fans, I guess, expect in terms of an immediate impact? Are we, are we, is he one of those players that can come in and have, not that I want to say a day-cost-like impact, but, or is it, is it more of a slow uh, I don't think anyone's going to come in and have the day-cost impact. Previous years? Uh, he's, he's thinner, but I love his athleticism. He's really fast. He's got a great leap on him. I think a bit of a... What we saw with Sam DeConing for Geelong, where he is undersized, but if he's getting a chop out and getting a bit of help from James Sisley and stuff, he can play on those bigger bodies, I think. Yep. Um, Jake, so Monday night's the big night. Um, you're going to be there for ESPN as well. There's going to be... Uh, well, obviously, Jasper's going to be there. We might get some other people down there. You're going to be chatting to a few of these prospects, hopefully, yeah. afterwards. There is going to be a plan to do some bits and pieces uh, for the website, so you can keep an eye on that. ESPN.com.au forward slash AFL is where you'll find that sort of stuff. But... I think what I really enjoy about the draft night in particular is when you talk to these guys, they haven't had a whole heap of media training. So this is kind of the, the point of the, I guess, their careers before they get taken in by the clubs, before they get told you can say this, you can't say that, all that kind of yeah. other stuff, where you can get a you little get bit the, out of them. Yeah, you get a, the, not that they're not honest, but you get the <laughs> raw sort of emotion and you get, um, you do, you do get that sort of the honesty and, and, and how they're feeling. Yeah. It is great to speak to them at that point. Uh, also, before they are injected into club land and they become Robots. men, I, I sort of <laughs> guess. Like, they're, they're kids still. So um, and I guess there's also this added... You talk about Will McCabe and, and being a father-son. I guess there's also that added sort of pride that you get from these guys. So I'll be really interested, you know, if you have a chat to him yep. uh, on Monday night, sort of the attitude that he has towards, you know, going and playing at a, at a club that his dad did. Yeah. You know, definitely. We want to try and bring bring you guys as much um, of the of the immediate reaction as possible. So the uh, of draft night slide down. So seventeen uh, and uh, sorry, uh, yep, yeah, seventeen. Yeah. Adelaide. Where do we see them? So after that bit, they'll be at seventeen. Charlie Edwards is one they've been heavily linked to. He didn't play for Vic Metro. He's a Sandy boy. He didn't play for Vic Metro. He didn't play for the AFL Academy. Um, and all this representative footy he missed out on because he was a really late developer. But the second half of the year, he won a premiership with the Sandy Dragons as a midfielder. He's 191 centimetres, and he's got this in, just incredible burst of speed on him. And I think clubs are looking at that and 
kind of projecting what he could become as an inside midfielder yep. with that power out of stoppages um, and getting really excited about it. He has a neat kick. I think he's rounded out his game really well. So a nice athletic type that I think would be a point of difference for the Crows who have Rory Laird and Jordan Dawson in their midfield. Uh, as we've been told, we're running out of time, so we might need to whip through these a little bit quicker. Uh, but next up, we do have uh, North Melbourne are on the clock. Uh, could we see a bid matched here, though, for someone, another father-son? Yeah, this might, might be the last point where Jordan Croft has a bid um, on him. He's the Western Bulldogs' key forward. He's really athletic as well, but um, what I love about him is his set-shot routine's beautiful. So I think he can project to become a good key forward. He's going to be another dog's um, youngst, young, tall, and they might got a try, few of them. They might try him <laughs> down back as well. we'll yeah, see. Uh, the Giants are next up on the board as well. So this this could be uh, well, this will be their uh, second selection. Where oh, do you with, see um, this? That North Melbourne bid, I think they will take Riley Hardiman if oh you know, yes, of course they match, the dogs match that bid. He's been linked to Essendon heavily, but um, this running WA defender with leadership traits and and um, I, I think he had a really strong year. Uh, fair enough, uh, and then yes, yeah, so the. The Suns could also match a bit in here, so, so Jake Rogers could be around this, think, this mix as yeah, well. Yeah, I think this is about the right spot for Jake Rogers, who could slide down a little bit. I have him ranked at 12. This is a pick 20, where he could be bid on. A uh, bit of a Took Miller type. And um, Will Graham is the other academy prospect, so potentially around that 24 to 25 mark. You did yeah. say that he was invited to the Combine, so they yeah. do expect that, I mm. guess, they'll they, pick up yeah, all four of these guys. to be taken. Um, and uh, at that point, I think Collingwood is really interested. They might bid on him. Interesting, interesting. Uh, there are a few teams that haven't uh, yet had a pick, so obviously the, the, the Pies are in there with, with their selection. Uh, where do you see them looking for their first, um, their it's, first foray It's going to be draft? really interesting. They've been linked to Archer Reed, the brother of Zach, who's uh. this 203-centimetre tall like really, like he's going to need to fill out a lot. Um, but I love that he has these long limbs that can mark it at the highest point. Uh, can he's done a bit of ruck work as well, so I think he matches up with Collingwood in terms of needing some tools mm-hmm. to develop. I have them taking Lamont Lawal, who is this really speedy, athletic halfback um, out of the JLV Rebels. Uh, so a country boy, and he's been in that first round frame for a long time because of his attributes right. with the ball. He's a really neat kick and he's defensively sound as well. Uh, the Blues also have a pick in the first round. It'll get pushed right back down. So Ashton Moyer's probably where they're looking, I think, is on your board. And there are some other picks that will come. So before bids, Richmond at 29, Brisbane at 30. But as you say, they're probably going to try yeah. and move up in that in that situation. Frio 34 and Port Adelaide we touched on before. So there's plenty to happen. And, it's and a big uh, opening round. It's a massive opening round, so much so that we actually have run out of, uh, run out of time before we can get through them all. Uh, but Monday night is the night. Make sure you do keep abreast of everything on the website. So ESPN.com.au forward slash AFL. There'll be reaction from Jasper. There'll be reaction from Jake. Uh, there's plenty happening. Jasper, first of all, thanks for joining us on uh, the debut of the uh, the new set. No, it's my, uh, my pleasure. Uh, we'll have to get you in next year as well, and, and we'll see if we can start tinkering with some bits well, and pieces. Got and... More, we've still got a few more things in the pipeline that we oh, half of teased. I know, I know. We need to lock that in. Uh, we it's won't, happening. We it's won't reveal what it could be, but but we do have some plans, I guess, coming up in the in coming yep. months, and, and obviously for a big season six of the podcast next year, which we'll have to start earlier because of uh, the opening round. Opening <laughs> round, yeah. Christian will be back, so <laughs> good stuff. Uh, Jasper, thanks again for coming down. Jake, good to speak with you as always. To everyone at home, we'll speak to you in the next episode. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.